This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. It's a podcast for the 2nd of December 2020. My name's Patrick Smith. It is 20 years since your Belfast Giants first took to the ice at the Odyssey Arena, facing the Air Scottish Eagles in a game that would start off 20 years of fun, thrills, spills, championships, and a lot more beside. We're going to have a chat about that. We're going to chat about... A lot of stuff that's been happening over the last number of months and where we are now currently with hockey. And uh, let's start by introducing my three good friends who are always joining us here on A View from the Bridge. We'll start off with Mr. McJimsey. How are you? Not too bad, Paddy. Enjoying um, lockdown 2.0. That's it. Tier 3 coming your way. Looking forward to getting out of it into lockdown 3.0 on Thursday. Tier 3 coming my way as well. Uh, Mr. Kitchen, how are you? I'm very well, Patrick. Um, It's a wee bit different in Northern Ireland. Uh, apparently there is a lockdown, but um, <laughs> I don't think anybody's paying any attention to it. It's, it's all very strange, isn't it? And Mr. Neil, keep him well. Oh, boys, yeah, all the better for seeing news. Uh, Christmas has officially arrived in Belfast. I don't know if you can see on my shoulder, but there's we Goliath blowing away in the distance there. The lights. We can see lit the lights. Up, it's a bit them up for Christmas this evening. So uh, apparently Christmas has arrived. I'm not feeling too Christmassy, but there you go. Is that saving you putting up a Christmas tree? <laughs> I wish, mate. I know that that thing's going to be up here by this weekend. We not bought a, ours. Not a Christmas guy. We bought ours on Monday. Well, you know, oh, 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 I know we've got lots to talk about, but let's talk about this first and foremost. What do you mean you're not a Christmas guy? Not a Christmas guy, man. It's the only month of the year I enjoy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on March. March, March, March. <laughs> Just not a Christmas guy, mate. Christmas guy. Yeah. Come on, get 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 with the spirit. It's the fact that it starts on like the first of November now as well. We don't need that much Christmas, and it's also well, if, you ask, if you speak to Tesco, it starts. I think it was the fourteenth or fifteenth of October. They started seeing selection boxes. <laughs> it's also day yeah, one. Well, I'm again, and I'm I'm on the lookout. It's still it's the same. You know, Easter's what fourteen weeks ago. Fourteen weeks of pancake cheese, and they're already selling flour and eggs. With the Christmas. Was I guess the archives. That's good. I'm gonna, uh, right. I'm gonna use that, mate. Thank you very much. Right, let's get, 
I'm going to start off before we get stuck in. I just want to make two comments. First of all, since we've been since we last met back in September um, on the 20th of October, of using the bridge past its 15 years of being a podcast, we got some uh, some very nice comments back, and I just like to to thank everybody. It's been a it's been a wonderful 15 years. We thought that you know 15 years that's 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 more than half my life. And um, you know, it's who who would who would have thought that we'd still be going talking nonsense about how, a lot a lot more a lot more. And uh, and secondly, I want to start the podcast just by saying a big thank you to Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks, part of the uh, the Belfast Chance organization for twenty years, from Stick Boy to the man, the main man behind the scenes. He's been very good to us here on a view from the bridge. He's been excellent for the Belfast Chance. He leaves for Pastors Pastors New at Ulster Rugby, and I just want to go just quickly round the board here. And David, you know, um, Brooksy, as I said, uh, one of the real stalwarts of the Giants for so many years. Unbelievable. Whenever you look back, when I look at the minute, we're, we're obviously at our 20th sort of of our home homecoming to the Odyssey, our 20th anniversary. And you think back, you look at all the pictures of, of this wee lad behind the bench helping Blatch out. And that's all he was. He was just a, a young, he was just a boy. And, and he's came through and you see that that generation of pictures that he's come up with, some of the hairstyles and, <laughs> and some of the pictures he's been involved in. And, and every win that the Belfast Giants have ever had. Has had Mark Brooks involved in it. It's going to be a change for the for the the whole for the whole organisation not to have him there. He's obviously stepped up into that back of house position over you know, the last load of years, and and as you say, he's been absolutely instrumental in, in what we've been able to achieve as a podcast. Because you know, you know yourself. Whenever I got involved, however many years ago, we started a WhatsApp group with Brooksy, and he's on a Monday morning. He's coming to us, going, "What do you need from me?" It used to be we. we we used to have to hassle the organisation, but this is what we need. And then when things became more official, they were coming to us. And that was, that was led by Brooksy um, every week. Every new player that signs for the Belfast Giants gets an email introducing them to the club and to us by Brooksy. So he's been instrumental in, in the podcast being anywhere near successful. So I can only thank him for that and, and for everything that he's, he's done for the organisation for 20 years and wish him well. With his new club, I'm sure he'll still be a Belfast Giants fan and getting down the Odyssey whenever he can. And hopefully, it'll not be too long before we can all do the same. Absolutely, Simon. I think the only thing he hasn't done is actually been a player. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about him being a stick boy, but he was a water boy before he was a stick boy. Um, and as Davey says, you know, he's, he's helped us out uh, immensely throughout the, the the tenure that he was there, and he's um, moved on to Ulster Rugby now, which is you know it's a big big job he's going to have down there as well. But you know he's well equipped for it. And he's got a lot of contacts and and uh, wishing the best of luck. And and as I say, he definitely will be missed because there's when you when you look at what um what parts of the of the game day. I know obviously Glover ran deep game day uh, behind the scenes, but you know Brooksy was heavily involved in a lot of stuff that on game day as well. And then obviously the media side of things and and you know there's there's an awful lot of stuff there that he did and probably a lot of people didn't realize that he actually did do. Um, until he's gone. So, uh, wish him the best of luck. Um, rugby's not my thing, like, but I'm sure I'll see him down at the SSA Arena at some point. Joe. Would you like the story of how I met Mark Brooks? Always. Uh, so, the year was 2012. The Belfast Giants were in Lancia, Germany. Oh, uh, you may remember, or those, those that were there may remember, a fairly festive evening after the last Giants game in the courtyard outside the arena. Uh, I was informed by... Uh, someone who will remain nameless, uh, Glover, that there was a, 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 a gathering at the team hotel afterwards. So I was uh, encouraged to 
uh, spent quite a lot of money on a taxi to the hotel, which was nowhere near the arena. Uh, everybody was fairly lubricated at this stage. Arrived back to the hotel just to find everybody passed out. I mean, it was it was curtains. Everybody was donezo. Uh, so Glover's like, come on, come on, come on. We'll go to my room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, into the room. Blast open the door. We're all in. Yeah. Mark Brooks is in his bed, fast asleep. He doesn't say a single word. I've never met him before. He stands up, grabs his duvet, looks us all in the eyes and just walks straight out of the room. <laughs> Where did, where, where was, did he go? <laughs> I have no idea. To this day, don't know. But that was the start ask, of a very beautiful friendship. Uh, I was uh, I, I got a chance to speak to him after that, and he's somebody that I uh, that I call a very good friend now, and, and I, I feel privileged to do so. Uh, the the team uh, the team's loss is definitely Ulster's gain. He's uh, he's an incredible servant of the club and has been uh, an infectiously positive energy as well. Just somebody who has always kind of injects that energy and positivity into a game night. And, and just to echo what Davey says, you know, if any of us land down into the tunnel after a game, the first person you see is Brooksy. And the first thing he asks is, who do you need? And that's literally every single night without fail. You get who you need. He goes and badgers and chases. So, um, look, uh, we always say the club is bigger than any one individual. And, and there are many chapters still to write with the Giants. But um, I'll, I'll miss seeing my mate about on a game night. And I hope he's, uh, I hope he's not a stranger. Absolutely. Best wishes to Brooks. Hey, right. Current scenario, gents, there is no hockey to be played. There is no hockey being played. And it's, you know, it's a very strange scenario that we find ourselves in at the start of December. Um, however, in the last couple of weeks, there has been green shoots and maybe a light at the end of the tunnel, not just from a COVID scenario. We all know with regards to vaccines and what might be around the corner, but we're sticking to sport. And in the last couple of weeks, we learned that the elite league, or at least the English teams in the elite league, have uh, been granted four million pounds. Now, there are caveats to that four million pounds and how they're going to use it. And there's still a bit of grayness as to whether that's a four million pound grant or a loan or, or whatever. But by the by, where we are now is we have a lot of players who are scattered about Europe. Some not, some some have stayed here. But do you see, Davey, I'll start with you. Do you see light at the end of the tunnel with regards to the return of hockey? We have had in the last week, Neil Black speaking to BBC Nottingham and, and Chris Ellis about the potential of a, of, a, of a short tournament involving six teams. Where do you think hockey stands at this moment in time? I certainly think that the English teams with this money that they can potentially realise from the government, and I would assume the sixth team would be Cardiff, I can't imagine the Scottish teams or Belfast being, being anywhere near involvement in any of this. Um, I also, money, the root of all evil, it'll be very interesting how they decide that money needs spent or split more yep. than, than likely so. not going to be a, an even cut across the teams. So I don't see from a government, from a taxpayer, why that money would go into running a five-team tournament that fans wouldn't be allowed to go to. The revenue capture is obviously going to be webcasts and stuff. Um, the number of people that are going to tune in for Guildford against Coventry to, to try and bring back £4 million pounds into the coffers. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I thought that when they suspended the season and if you're not going to get all your teams back involved, then it, you should just leave it that way. I don't think that as a league, it's good optically to go with, you know, two-thirds or not even two-thirds of the league, you know, six out of ten teams will go and have our own little tournament here, probably for the same prize and say, oh, we, you know, you talk about Celtics asterisks last year, that is a massive asterisk beside anybody's... Nobody's, nobody's talking about Celtics, Celtics asterisks. Right? <laughs> oh, we're talking about them plenty this week, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> 
old Lurgan flop. But um, he's been he's been given the back and tonight now. Oh no, long may continue. Let's move on. Um, Let's move on. Okay, back. Okay. Um, you know, I don't see how you can have an elite league or call it anything like an elite league if it's six out of the ten teams. Um, if they want to have some sort of short turn, it's got to be, I suppose, with GB in mind. It's got to be about preparing players for what potentially will be a World Championships at the end of the season. There's no other reason for me, for the Elite League, putting any sort of product together this season apart from to try and prepare the British players. And if that's what it's about, well, then it could be money well spent. They're in the top division in world hockey. We would like to stay, see them stay in there. And therefore, we need to find teams for them. The the British players that are currently playing in Belfast then go and try and get jobs with these teams in the short term. I I just don't know. Simon's you know nodding here, so he's he's obviously got an opinion on it as well. But I, I just don't see the value in it unless it's purely to push GB forward. Is that it, Simon? It's the fact that you know is there a market for it? First of all, you know, as Davy says, are you going to tune in for Coventry against Guildford and pay money to watch that, or is it just a case of you know we we need this money and where does it get invested? I think again, I think it's a massive, massive grey area. Um, you know, would I watch Coventry Guildford? Yeah, probably would because there's nothing else on. Um, you know, and, and yes, you know, Davey mentioned earlier when he was when he was starting off there uh, about which way the money should be split, and it's you know that that's the most important thing. The, the bottom line is there better be a league to come back to. Um, whatever happens, but there's no way this can be classed as an elite league. Uh, EIHL. There's absolutely no way you can do that. It's not. It's absolutely not. Well, they would go in and they put together something like a, you know, a, a super league, and that's fine. Go ahead. It's not going to be that super. There's only got five or six teams involved in it. But the one thing that Davy mentioned was the the um, the Giants players, the British players from the Giants team going across and playing for somebody else. If the if if the World Championships go ahead, Davy, which I'm not 100 percent sure is still going to be the case. There's yeah. You know, they're, they're, Good I, I, mean, I know they've, yeah, they've, they've, they've cancelled some other, um, international tournaments already. And, um, and I know there was, there was whispers about it moving it to another country and stuff, but they're still a long way off. And, um, you know, they were cancelled in 2020. If they're cancelled 2021, you look at the guys who aren't playing. I know the, the streaming series went on there with Sheffield, Steel Dogs, Swindon and Milton Keynes. Um, you know, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I, I, if I hadn't, I was I was doing stuff those at those times, and I just never got a chance to watch them. But I haven't actually seen any clips of it on on social media. I didn't see anything, you know, like goals or, or any hits or anything, you know, just to try and promote it. But if that was the case, and everything's just going to be done online, and and you know, listening to Neil Black talking yesterday about something that could happen, and the what I took from it was he's, he's they're going to make their own bubble. And, a lot of money. You know, well, that's the thing. You know, if a they're going to if they're going to take over a hotel and they're going to have four, five, or maybe even six teams all staying in a hotel, all players, all six, management, six hotels. Well, that's what it is. You know, that that is, that is a hell of a lot of organizing. You know, all you think of all these players and all these staff members that need um, COVID tests two, three times a week, and you, you look at the, the Premier League. It was just announced today the Newcastle. Um, the, their match with Aston Villa has been, been Friday night's been cancelled because of uh, too many uh, positive COVID tests. 
We're not the NHL. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is a massive, massive thing that they're trying to put together. And to be honest, I genuinely do wish them luck. I, I hope that it can happen, and I hope that there's no positive test, and everybody comes out the other side looking forward to the season 21, no, 20, 20, 20, 21, 22. 22 yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm lost. Cool. The, you know, as I say, it's a massive, massive undertaking to try and put something like this together. Um, if it happens, then fair play to them. Would I want our Belfast Giants players who are looking to come back next year participating? Absolutely. I, I would never try and stop anybody to go and play hockey. If they want to play hockey, then by all means, go ahead. But it's got to be done 100% correctly. And that's the bit that I would sort of hesitate to be put in place. As I say, we're not the NHL. Joel, Sam has nailed it. There are so many variables in this, not least the, the getting COVID, not least, you know, if, let's say, one team goes down with it and on test, you know, it's all well and good testing everybody twice a week. But if you end up with a team being out and then you're trying to change it all up and the bubble gets burst and all that sort of that, so that's got problems. You also bring in the point that he said it's going to be a 10, a 10 import league. Well, where are these 10 imports going to come? So that's, you know, that's 60 imports we're going to be pulling into this league. From where a lot of the imports, as you've seen, Joey Martin's gone to Norway. You know, you've got all these all from various different teams, all guys playing right across Europe. I mean, back in North America, the lower leagues um, possibly taking place. It, there are so many variables to start on in January, February. It's very difficult to see how this sort of shortened, curtailed 12 week league could actually happen. Yeah, look, I, I, I always try to be the first to be optimistic about stuff. I don't like just like just dumping on something for the sake of it. But I think Simon is 100%. You know, I've, uh, I've got good friends in Edmonton, uh, which was obviously one of the host cities for the, uh, the hub city, sorry, for the, the Stanley Cup this past year. Uh, and the description of the undertaking to host those teams. Uh, and, and to, I mean, a bubble isn't just you stay in your hotel room for 10, 11 weeks. You need, uh, you know, access to facilities, laundry. You need catered for, um, you know, you need everything that you need to live. And, and that's multiplied by however many players um the there are so many mitigating factors like you know you, you've got them all locked in there can you really expect guys at our level of hockey to be cooped up in in confines like that it's going to be like prison for for however long it takes to play this out um you've got the in risk all fairness, if it's going to be head and shopping you'd be better off in prison <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've been in the if you've been in the what's it called the holiday and express beside the sheffield arena you'll know it's pretty much prison with vendor machines uh i mean like if, if covid gets into that you're you're absolutely rookie but look um i guess we are speculating here without the full picture and uh you know there if there's one thing i know from my work my world of work that if there's government money involved there's a big ball of red tape involved so there are conversations going on that we're not privy to we don't understand that that there, there must be a reason for this kind of on the ball thinking you know as uh you know I, I think simon's absolutely bang on to be honest uh your, your initial question patty was was how close do we seem to a return to hockey um and i guess to to take it again into my my kind of day job um you know i'm I'm beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel for the first time really in the in the past couple of weeks uh i i feel like there's uh there's monstrous challenges uh for for the industry uh the hospitality and and the, the sort of business of mass gatherings you know that's that's what the sse arena is you can't get around it uh it is the business of gathering large quantities of people together and it's the one thing you can't do um but but there seems to be an optimism that comes sort of 
uh, spring, whenever the, 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 the season changes, whenever vaccinations start ramping up. And, um, you know, I, 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 and I know as well, without kind of giving too much away of, of what's happening, um, because it's, it's not mine to give away, I know that there's an awful lot of work going on that we would be directly involved in uh, between ourselves and, and agencies like the, the Trust and, and the Waterfront, the Ulster Hall, pubs, live music venues, the whole spectrum of, of sort of uh, entertainment venues. And there's a lot of work going on about what that safe return to events looks like. Um, that gives me optim- uh, optimism just in itself that, that the people who know the best are doing that kind of work and, and looking at, you know, roots back to gathering people together and staggering it and stuff. Um, I, I'd be surprised if uh, if hockey fell by the wayside next season. I, I, I do. And I hope I don't look back on this and regret it. But I do think that, that we'll see hockey in Belfast from next season. Um, we, we just have to hunker down between us here and just get through the next however many months until those green shoots that you're talking about start you, you talk about sorry start appearing um, but for the first time since March I, I would say that I'm very cautiously optimistic and, and I would see a, a little pin of light at the end of the tunnel I find it I also find it interesting that you, you you look at the amount of people who are talking about the potential and look at what Neil Black was talking to Ellie about and and and, and the potential of, of what could return and then you see people who are very excited about it, and understandably so. You know, it, it, hockey's part hockey's part of, part of all our lives, and uh, and has been for a long time. And when it's taken away, you think to yourself, you know, I find myself November, December, where I'm normally going or watching games or whatever, and and you find yourself trying, having to find to do new things like. I have to put up with my daughter watching Strictly Come Dancing. You know, it's it's just we've all got our cross, we've all got our crosses to bear. But it's but it's it, nobody wants hockey back more than the way, than we all do. And and when there is that sort of suggestion that it could come back, there's everybody jumping on it, thinking, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I I fear that Neil Black's chat yesterday will get people's hopes up. And when the practicalities of it ha- actually come to the floor, the costs of it come to the floor, and it doesn't, or potentially it doesn't happen for that for that very reason, then it's just going to be another kick in the teeth of the elite league that that they that they they look to be trying to do something and they're not able to do it. I I I just didn't I just I agree that we all want something back. I agree that something back would be great, but that money could be invested a lot better within the league to build infrastructure, to build branding, to to help teams that we all know the teams are struggling for money. And we all know that the game is struggling for money and that rinks are struggling for money. That money could be better used. To, and if there are caveats to play, then find another way. You know, there has to be, I mean, that, that money could go so well to build in the elite league into something much bigger. And it'd be disappointing if it was ended up in being a, a six-team 12-week tournament, which has been touted, spending so much money and putting players up to bring them in from North America as 10 imports, only for people to have to stream it. It just wouldn't, you know, when we could have so much more come September. I'd love to see what the if there are costings and, and how advanced they are, or is it, is it still pie in the sky? Um, I, I think we can be forgiven for being slightly pessimistic here. We're talking about the league that did a Challenge Cup draw out of a shopping bag and then inadvertently pulled a snooker ball out live yeah. on a webcast. I mean, this yeah. is this is the level that we have been known to play at uh, through the years. So yeah, no, forgive no, me for being pessimistic. No, nobody's under any doubt, really. <laughs> I mean, I have to, if you look at it from, I know what Joel's um, joking about, and we did take the mic right out of that. Like, but when you look back, um, what, what was that, four, maybe five, six years ago now? It uh, probably doesn't seem like it. But, you know, when you look back at that, 
and you look to where we are now, and you've yes. got, you know, you've got Mike Hicks doing what he's doing. You've got, um, oh, God, I forgot his name. Luke. Luke, you've got Luke. Sorry, Luke. Uh, I know you're listening in. Um, you know, you've got Luke, Luke doing what he's doing, and and the league definitely has got a lot more professional. It has. It has. You're right. um, we've made massive strides over the last few years. There's a lot of good guys within, you know, the, the organisations that are on the group. There's also a few other people. Um, but the, the main thing about it is, as I say, this is a if they're talking about having their own bubble and putting. For argument's sake, say 17 players on on six different teams. That's 108 people. Add into that, you've got the off-ice teams for each, or off-ice groups for each team. You know, you're talking, for argument's sake, 200 people. Then the staff, and you know, you're still going to have the staff in the arena. But they're not going to stay in a hotel. They're going to go home in the end of the night. Yeah. They're going to come in to basically do the Zamboni next morning for each camp or whatever it may be. You know, you're asking a massive, massive undertaking, and that's the bit that I would struggle but trying to make sure that everything's going to be done 100% right. I genuinely wish them the best of luck. Do I think it's going to happen? Not that way. I don't think, I mean, even if you do the quick maths, if you've got, you know, say 15 rooms for each team per night, and you're getting them at a dirt cheap rate of 50 quid a night, 750 pound team, that's four and a half thousand pound a week um, per team. And then you add all that up as well. It's massive, massive amounts of money. Well, you, you know, you've got a you've got a, a direct line to your very good friend Jason Taffellery out there in Germany. What are they doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, Taff, they're 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 still the whole country's on lockdown in Germany until the twentieth of December. So he's he's in his own wee bubble. They've got you know the, the the guys have got their own apartments granted, but there's only certain things that they're allowed to do. So Taff's got to go to work. He's allowed to go and get a shopping. He's allowed to go back home again. But he is, in fairness, he's spending most of the time cooking for Pete Russell. Um, <laughs> when he's not at the ring. Uh, Pete Russell's loving him having them there. But, you know, that's, that's exactly the same thing. You know, they're, um, they've had so many different outbreaks of all the different teams in Germany. He was supposed to play, he was supposed to play last Friday and Sunday, just past. Both games were cancelled because the two teams that they were supposed to play had outbreaks of COVID. So they then, because those teams weren't playing, there was other teams who also couldn't play, so they just basically mixed and matched, and that's what they were trying to do. And they ended up having two games. They played Friday at home and Sunday away, um, three points out of four. And um, he's loving it. Like he's, you know, he's, he's half just can't sit still. And the, yeah. the first three months or four months that were ha- happening here, we sort of had our own bubble. Just me and him. He stayed over here a couple of nights, and um, you know, and he's such a good lad. But he was just yeah. he, he was bored stiff, absolutely <laughs> bored stiff. Yeah, nice. Right. Sort of getting to do what he, he wants to do, but you know, again, you know, there's there's talk about the DEL training camps coming back tomorrow. I think it is actually yeah, it the is second. That's what um, so, are they all going to happen? I don't know. Um, are they going to get hockey at that level with no door with no doors open for fans coming in? Again, right now there's no fans being allowed in the DEL two, so I don't think why should they allow DEL one without DEL two as well? Yeah, interesting scenario. Do you have any final thoughts? Like what I said at the start there, like what are they going to play for? Are they going to play for the elite league? Are they playing for the COVID cup? Is there prize money? <laughs> you know, are are people getting are are teams? Oh, I, I would I would assure there's going to be prize money, David. Oh yes, there has to be. Yeah. Um, is it going to be better prize money than there's potentially for actually winning the? There, like, if there's money to be got, let's hope they can grab as much of it as they can. However. I'm a Belfast Giants fan. I'm not. 
I really don't care if the play or not because I'll have no interest in it. I can guarantee you now I will not switch a single webcast on because I've no interest in the teams that are playing unless there's maybe potentially Belfast Giants players in all likelihood who's, who's going to end up there maybe Laker because he's living over in England I don't know where, whether Swinney's home or away Laker played for the Steelers or Steel Dogs actually yeah, yeah. so yeah. he's playing for the Steel Dogs yeah. so the likelihood is if a little league league sort of thing yeah so those guys that are English based they're probably going to pick themselves up a team for whatever I, I just haven't really even read about the logistics are they just going to hire one arena or they intend they'll have all their own arenas. It's been it's, been, it's a kite, in my opinion. It's a kite that's going. Surely, on. surely it would have to be a singular arena. The, the, the cost of getting, or it'll be Absolutely. in a, or it'll be in a nice Sheffield, or it'll be in like the Nottingham Bowl rather than the. Yep, yeah, sorry, I'm getting the, the giddy up here. I understand. Um, you know, because there's no way the Giants can't be involved in this because we can't afford to have the SSE just open for the ice. Without concerts and all, the SESE won't be opening again. So until that happens, there's no hockey. There's, and there's no ice at the moment anyway. Yeah. Christmas appeal 2020. So my 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 um. But my my uh yeah I think uh, my final thought is the fact that I think it's a kite I don't think there's been anything I think that you know Neil Black has had a chat with Chris Ellis and and put that out there to see what the response is and to see if if things can be pushed into into some sort of tournament to spend that money to get some sort of tournament whether it happens or not I guess time will tell but let's move on gentlemen well, quick, well, quick on. Well, just quickly quickly before you go obviously let's not move on then come on let's uh, go back uh, well under the Barnet formula the Scottish teams and yes. the Iron team and the Belfast Giants are all supposed to be petitioning government for their share. You know, if Sport England were giving out four million pounds, X amount of pounds has come to Northern Ireland for an approved yes. rata. Whether or not the Belfast Giants get a pro rata, I can't see That's it. you know, a, a significant amount of money. If you're saying there was four million between five teams, somebody quickly do that. Ten million was announced for Sport NI, full stop. Yeah. So can you imagine the Belfast Giants getting eight hundred thousand of that? What a chance. You know, so no hope. So let's see. Let's see. <laughs> the, um, right. Let's go on to one of the, the I guess the main point of the evening and uh, the main point of the podcast, which is the fact that the 2nd of December is 10 years, 10 years. I wish it was 10 years, 20 years since the Belfast Giants first took to the ice at the Odyssey Arena in Belfast against the Air Scottish Eagles. They were defeated 2-1 that evening, but we, we've had 20 solid years. Well, 19 and a curtailed season. Of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in here. I think it was a stroke of genius that the Giants celebrated in 20 years last year. <laughs> <laughs> True story. People chirped that. They must have used something was coming. Are you telling me, do you tell me that Brooksy had had a trip out to Wuhan, knew what was coming? <laughs> Unbelievable. And then, and then he's done a bunk. He did say. Remember, remember last year he had a he had an operation. I don't think he did. Uh, I think he was away to China. 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 Yeah, that's it. China. He got, got himself out the way. I knew what was coming. Came back and said, "We need to do this now." Uh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> a two-one defeat. Let's move on. A two-one defeat that evening to the Irish Scottish Eagles and and has led us to where we are now. Championships, trophies galore, fighting at the top of the league. But let's go back 20 years. Joel, turn, no, sorry. <laughs> let's go back 20 years. <laughs> Davey McGimsey, we've got, we, behind the scenes, obviously, we've been 
doing a little bit of work towards another podcast which will follow on from this one in which we'll be chatting to some some of the great names from that night both on and off the ice but uh but Davey what did that game 20 years ago mean to you well I guess you know we've been very very fortunate through this podcast to be able to talk to a lot of the guys that played that very first and Bob Zeller and Albert Massland and all and that'll come in that podcast and absolutely fascinating spine tingling to relive those days I was really fortunate I know Neil the coach Russell will be listening and he loves my old story about going to the Oval on a Saturday afternoon getting a mission hall bus jumping off the ice ball and going because that was my that's when I got my hockey fist fix watching Simon Kitchen um, on, a, on a Saturday big man there right. uh, Northern Ireland International um, and uh, you know I, so I had a little bit of hockey before the Giants came along so it was natural that you know, you, you wanted to feed. I was very fortunate as well in my day job. Joe, Joe's talking about his day job. I was a quantity surveyor, and I worked on the on the build of the of the uh, the arena, the the Millennium Project, as it was back then. And you know, as as it was as it was obviously going to be an ice hockey team because I knew through my involvement and work, the guys were going out to Florida. It's actually based on some rink in Florida. I can't remember. I'll have to try and find out. But it's a, almost an exact replica of a of a Florida rink somewhere. And uh, it became more and more exciting, and the buzz became around town. And you know, you only need to look back. I was I was reading the old Champions in the Land by the Giants book. I read it from oh, time yeah. to time, and uh, all that buzz about queues being, you know, you couldn't get a ticket for the Belfast Giants back back at the start. Simon probably could. He knew people, but uh, <laughs> Simon know, doesn't remember the game. But we'll come back to that. <laughs> you know, we were very fortunate that this team came along when it did. We did our little documentary party and we talked about it and the city needed something. And talking to Bob and Albert, and we say, well, let, let them speak for themselves. But it, it allowed marginalised people to come to games. It allowed women to have sporting events they could go to, families. And then all the cliches about places where Protestants and Catholics and etc. Game for all, game for everyone, love the Giants, everyone's equal, all that good stuff. You know, but that was the social project that was behind it as well. But, you know, we've just been really blessed that it's lasted 20 years you know after that sort of initial ISL days where it was really you were four lines deep and you had high quality players here massive budget massive bills of course probably many many hundreds of thousands of pounds of of people's own money went into the, the, the propping it up for as long as it did you know but let's let's not go past the 20th anniversary you know first first goal our, our big mate Paxton, first fight with Bosey, all these guys that we get to talk to. It was just an incredible time for Belfast where we're coming out of the war and, uh, you know, things were, were brightening up and, and the Belfast Giants were the first real beacon of hope. And it, for me, it's it's just something, it's something that's a beacon that's been lit for 20 years now and still burning bright. Simon, break us down that game, 2-1. Uh, how did you see that game progress? You know, it was a, it was a very end-to-end battle. Give us, give us your thoughts on the exact, your exact thoughts on how that game played out. Did you I see bl- that game progress? I was blocked that night. Um, I remember, I mean, Davey's touching on, you know, obviously the build of the arena itself. I was lucky enough to, to watch the, the players back then training at the Don Ice Bowl um, every day. And, and, you know, you're not seeing them in the arena, the SS arena, because it wasn't built that stage. They played was it, 15 or 16 games on the road before they hit the arena. Um, and just watching the quality that that the guys had and, and um, the speed that it was going at. And I know Davey touched on, he used to come up and watch us. Like, we were playing a slow motion compared to some of these guys. Like, um, you know, we were skating and triggle most of the time. And um, don't get me wrong, I mean, I think ours was a wee bit more exciting because you'd find more local players playing in it and you'd, you'd guys there who just wanted to, 
you know, rip somebody's head off and get away with, which happens quite a lot. Um, but you know, the high, once or twice. But um, you know, the the whole season itself, the build up to it, and and everything that, that went with it, and then the, the you walk into the arena that night, um, and just let I mean, I was talking about Jason Bowen last week when we were doing the interviews, and Bosey was saying, you know, that he remembers going and there's you know there's somebody's stick bounced off the glass or something and everybody's up in the air and then you know a puck smashes off the glass which was that you've got the net right in front of you and the puck deflects over and sits somebody in the corner and everybody jumps up and you know and, and then obviously you know when, when Bozy had that fight a couple of minutes into this and that's in the warm up by the way and everybody's going nuts and uh, and then when you get the arena food and you see the people going into it and, and, and as Davey says you know it was really tough to get a ticket back then as well um, but lucky enough to be there the first night. Um, and, you know, the camera lady, my reporter that said, you know, would never last. Are we honest with ourselves in thinking that it would last 20 years? You know, uh, that, you know, it's a big, big question. And if you'd asked me back then, I probably would have said, I don't think it will last, you know, and I'm so glad that it has because it's given us so many, you know, moments over the last 20 years that, you can look back on and this is our team, you know. Davey keeps on saying and it being about, you know, he's he's over in Bristol now and it's still Belfast and it's his team and it's the guys representing his city. Um, and he's absolutely right. And you know, when you look back at the twenty years and the people who have represented us and and went out on the ice, there's maybe one or two that you just look back on and go, well, how did he even get a chance of doing that? But um, you know, it's been twenty very very exciting years and. And here's hoping that we can get the twenty first up and running because I really am bored right now. Like <laughs> I was in the arena tonight, you know, Joel and I were earlier on Jasmine was with us doing the, the Christmas appeal, doing some bits and pieces volunteering it. Um and even just standing in the middle of the ring and looking up and looking at the new banner that's been put up there with just big champions nineteen twenty um as well. You know, it, it's absolutely brilliant. So, you know, they've got champions. the new banner up there recommended, you know, obviously recognizing the achievement and the second year that we won the trophy. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe, obviously, I'll come to you on sort of a legacy thing. You know, when you come into it, the fact that it is now 20 years and we have had 20 years of, of enjoyment from this team going leading back. But when you as a fan, you you obviously had a, a, an early experience then you went away and then came back. So looking back to those first teams, what do you think of those? Do you do? Because there's no real YouTube or any sort of videos to, to watch of those games. Yeah, look, I, I actually, you know, I, I often joke about uh, my obvious youth compared to you guys, but um, my my dad was actually uh, he worked in Belfast City Centre City Centre Management at the time at the time of the completion of the Millennium Project, and and because of that, then we would have you know had you know the odd night and it would have got tickets and um you know we, we had jerseys and there was the odd kind of game puck came our way. Uh, I was I was twelve thirteen at the time, so. Uh, I wouldn't say I was particularly invested in what was going on, but I just knew that what I was looking at was fantastic entertainment. And it's lovely to look back on that now and then see it 20 years later with the the kind of position of privilege that we all have. I can now sit in the arena and look at those kids having a blast and understand what that felt like and, and how that's still a very important thing for those kids. But, um, you know, just it's 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 you referenced there the initial purpose of the team uh, and sort of the the catalyst for Belfast Millennium Project being that uh, community uh, intervention and bridging gaps between, you know, a very, very different Belfast back then. 
it's wonderful now to sit 20 years later and just to see uh, what the club has become so far beyond that really simple, simplified explanation. You know, we, we all uh, got the chance to speak to the Chuckapuck Canuck, Dr. Eric Lepp, a, a year or two ago, who was doing a lot of studying on, on the Giants and their, their place within peace and reconciliation and blah, blah, blah. And really the, 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 uh, conclusion that he got to after having conversed with however many hundreds of people around the arena is that you just can't define what the Giants do for the city. They are so many things for so many people so far beyond what they were initially uh, conceived and, and brought to life for. Uh, and I think that what we're looking at is a living, breathing thing. Uh, and I think that with uh, with this lockdown and, and March uh, being a long way, you know, it seems like two years and it seems like two weeks at the same time. Um, don't be worrying about the wee giants. Nobody's forgotten about them. Uh, as Simon said, you know, walking into that arena, the, the hairs of my arms were up, you know, just to, to be in that space again uh, and, and to see the contrast between what it would usually be used for at this time of year uh, and with it now being a food and toy donation bank. Uh, it says it all about where we're at. Um, but look, uh, not, not, to, not to use a pun, but it is a sleeping giant. Everybody... Uh, hasn't forgotten what it means to them. As soon as it's time to go again, everybody will be back again. Uh, I don't know if you could sum it up better than that, and that you know something like that is taken away from you. Uh, but the very, very second that it's it's time to go again, people will be reignited and instantly. That that love for the city and and that love for what the club does for so many people is still right there, uh, and and it's just waiting to be opened up again. I've got to tell you one quick story that'll come in the in the podcast with Albert and Bob and all those guys. Bob Zeller um, was so determined that there was going to be an ice hockey team in the arena. It was going to be the anchor tenant. There was three developers that had a potential of getting the the deal to to be the anchor tenant or whatever. So on the first day that they went down to meet up, Bob Zeller was with that team. Went and met the other stakeholders put his pitch across for an ice hockey team. There's no name or anything, but the nice hockey team was going to be a tenant there. I can fill this place, or not fill this place, but I, I can, I'll have 30 nights a year, maybe twice a week, that you will be able to have 5,000 people in this car parking, concessions, merchandise, blah, blah, blah. So Donna's pitch went away. The next day, the next meeting set up with the next developer and their proposal, and their guy is Bob Zeller. And the third day, the third people that want to be in the in the arena turn up, and their guy is Bob Zeller. <laughs> and they say to him, were you not here y- yesterday and the day before? Said, yes, there's going to be a hockey team in this arena. He was, in, he was on every single developer team that was going. There was only ever one project going into that, and his vision and his drive, along with Albert Maslam, made this happen. Many have came and picked up the baton, the Jim Gillespie's revered and rightly so. Rightly so. And there's so many people you could talk about back through our days, Richard Gowdy and John Elliott and all those guys that did their bit to keep this organisation going, you know, along the way. But those guys right at the very start, without Albert, without Bob, without Jim, Killer, Brooksy, all those people, this has been a story of people that have came along 20 years and made this happen. And it's the people that Joel's talking about 13, 14 year olds, and all that are going to keep this going for the next 20 years. Yes, yeah. very good point, mate. You know, you throw in Glover in there as well. You threw in, you know, oh, yeah, you know, Michael, 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 Michael Bard. There's so many people who who have yeah. been part of TAF, you know, people who have been part of this 
organization for the you know so large a chunk of those yeah. years and you're right it is a story about people you've had a chance to chat you had a good chat tonight with, with a big group we stuck a fleet out there that's who you were chatting to and that whether that will make there we don't know and uh, <laughs> Simon you've had the chance to talk with with Bosey and, and, and with, uh, with Shane Johnson uh, Joel have you had a chance to chat with anybody yet? Uh, I have uh, Mr. Jason Wright lined up uh, em- eminently, and, and I'm currently uh, chasing another few. Uh, 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 among those being Jerry Keefe, who I had the chance to speak to at the Friendship Four last year. So looking yeah. forward to it. Just need to. It's it's a lot harder to find these boys whenever they're 20 years removed. Let's say that. That's it. I know, and I had, I had a chance the other day to talk to Mark Cavlin, and the, 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 there's so much enthusiasm for these boys and memories. And, and I, I say you, so you. Your chat with Bosey, uh, I've listened to uh, Simon, and, and it's fantastic. And you know, and I think, you know, the, the, yeah, David's right. That the last line of the interview hits you right in the gut. You know what I mean? And understandable. We'll leave that. That'll be part of the podcast. We'll be putting that out in the next week or so. It's called Belfast Giants and Odyssey, and it's going to be looking back at the, that game, the build-up to that game, and the legacy of the Belfast Giants 20 years ago. Hearing from the people involved, both on and off the ice. I'm going to wrap it up here, boys. I'm just going to ask quickly any other business. I know that you guys, maybe one of you guys want to talk about the drive that's happening down at the SSE Arena right now. Oh, yeah, Joe. Yeah, uh, you, you've probably seen through the giant social media channels, Belfast Christmas Appeal 2020, uh, massive food uh, bank and toy donation drive, uh, and the, the SSE Arena is being used as a hub uh, with the, 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 the Giants being a major supporter of it. And, oh, look at that. Is that wood? <laughs> just to clarify for anybody listening on the podcast this is <laughs> Kevin Real's old I keep forgetting whether we're doing a video one or not Simon, Kevin Real's old just... hockey sticks that says K Real on the side of it <laughs> anyway uh, yeah, the, the the Christmas Appeal 2020 uh, SSC Arena being used as a, as a headquarters for a massive food bank uh, toy donation drive. Uh, just check the Giants socials, check Adam Keefe, check mine, check Simon, whoever uh, will point you in the right direction. Still a lot of help needed there. Um, it's been a, a terrible year for so many people, and, and it speaks volumes that the arena is what's needed to, to make something like that happen logistically. So really, really important if you can get behind it. Uh, but yeah, check, check social media, check the Belfast Giants social media. You'll find out everything that you need to know. Simon, Davey, anything to add? I just want to, not on a let's says talk, finalise about that, that one. I would like to thank everybody that got involved with our last little collection for the homeless in Belfast. Laura Small, especially, who took the money that everybody donated so generously and went and got so much stuff for the uh, homeless. Um, says he's holding up the shirt there. I think that's going to Kieran um, Curry. Kieran Curry, is that his name? Kieran Zemmy, um, just address. Just knock at the door and ask. <laughs> you support the Giants or the shirt? Um, <laughs> if you don't, take it home. Um, just, again, the generosity of the fans that, that help us every time we ask them to put their hands in their pockets. Simon, thanks for coming up with a, a prize out of your own collection there. It was very generous of you as well. So, you know, um, good luck with this one you're doing. I'm trying to do my own little one in Long Aston here because I can't support the one in Belfast other than financially. So, you know, everybody do something to help somebody in need out this Christmas. You're here. Simon, anything to add? Again, just to touch on uh, what Joel said, you know, if you can support it, by all means, go out and, and help out in any way you can. Um, and just the last one, I know, there's again, there's, there's an awful lot of people who are struggling um, at this time of the year and, 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 you know, that's just coming up to Christmas and they don't really have much on the plate and 
and you know you, you you knew every time you listen to the news now it's somebody else is losing their job or businesses are going under and um and it, it's absolutely awful but one of the things that uh, if anybody is you know struggling or, or and they just need to have a chat then you know again we're all um on social media just give us a private message we'll give you a shout at some stage to see what the story is and the last one is as we shout at them we made blake who's 19 months in hospital yesterday um, you know, he's got out the odd day and stuff like that for his birthday and what have you, and I just hope he's okay. And, and but you know, we, we just don't get the same. Um, apart from you know, he sends his wee message every once in a while, so hopefully he's okay and everybody else is all right as well. But like again, I think the, the title of our show is, and I don't, you know, it's it's haven't gone away, you know. Um, there's there's a long way to go before we can get back to on the ice again. Yeah, he loves it. Um, his face. It's uh, but that's probably going to be a title. <laughs> but uh, no, listen, we hope everybody's keeping safe. That's the most important thing. It's it's just a, a real bad time at the minute, and uh, hopefully, as Joel says earlier as well, you know, we might be able to say a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully, that tunnel does open up and become a lot lighter very soon. Absolutely, I think that's a, a good way to end it, gentlemen. Uh, we're recording this using the, the joys of Microsoft Teams, so it's good to see your bakes again. Usually by this point, we've uh, we've seen each other a couple of times, not least at the Friendship Four, which would have been last weekend. And another thing that has been sorely missed in this hockey calendar, and we look forward to it coming back coming back next year. A, a fantastic fixture for, that everybody loves being involved in. But uh, but no doubt, as we say, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I have no doubt that sooner or later, We'll be back in that SSE arena enjoying the Belfast Giants winning against, who knows, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for your time, boys. Thank you, thanks, boys. Thank you, boys. And on that note, uh, wherever you are, we hope you enjoy, you enjoy your Christmas, we you enjoy your new year. Stay happy, safe and well. And uh, we'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.